Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Reveal to in darkness, reveal it in light, what was whispered into years and shouted on the rooftops. Good afternoon, church. Good to see you guys. Hello, everyone. Would you turn to your right and your left to uh, wave hello to them? Good to see you guys. For all those that are joining through our YouTube live streaming, we welcome you. All those that are visiting through our YouTube live streaming, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're able to join us for Sunday service. Today's a special day because this is the first time that we have gathered at church for in-serve, inside, uh, in, uh, outside service for in-person service in more than seven months. Can you believe that? It's been more than seven months since the last time we've gathered together as a church. So my heart was just uh, fluttering, just my heart just uh, filled with just gratitude and just God's faithfulness, even in the uncertain season uh, such as now. So I'm so glad to see you guys here. I hope you have a wonderful time worshiping God and continue to commune uh, with other people in presence here. Uh, Just a couple of announcements. Um, As it is our first time having outdoor service, in-person service, I want to just go over that um, some some guidelines that we are prioritizing safety while we're gathering here in person. I want to remind you that you have to RSVP for the event. In fact, the next in-person service is scheduled for three weeks later for our Thanksgiving Sunday. And for that, the invitation will be made available on our website, which you just have to follow the link and make sure that you are committing to come that day. And we do require your reservation so that we can uh, do a better job of preparing and also securing this place to be a safe place for all that are planning to come to join us. Also, uh, your temperature will be measured at the time of your entrance. If you haven't uh, been scanned or been measured, uh, I think all of you guys have been scanned, right? So that's good. Uh, And we are asking all of you guys to constantly wash your hands, clean your hands, and also maintain six feet of social distancing. Again, let's do this so that more people can feel even safer to join us while we're gathering here at church. And your mask should be worn at all times, all right? To alternatives for high fives, I know, like, um, I have one of these things, like, if I see people, I'm a touchy, like, I have to pound it, elbow, hug. When I see little kids, I have to really remind myself that we can't do that right now. So I'm encouraging all of you guys to do the same as well. Air five, you're not dissing them. You're not just making fun of them. Just air five, air hug it out. Uh, We can still continue to convey the love and care that we have and we share in our Lord Christ Jesus. All right. This coming week, we have blocks, so this is a second meeting of this season, so we have seven different small groups available, and if you are not yet part of one, and you would like to check us out, if you'd like to participate, simply let me know, message me, talk to me after service, or email me, and I will make sure that you are plugged into uh, a home group or a block that is near your home. Also, Operation Christmas, we're still collecting donations for toys and all the gifts to be prepared to be sent over to the third world nations for the kids that are underprivileged so that they can properly celebrate the holidays at the end of this year. All right, last announcements for the day is this. Today's Communion Sunday. Guess what, guys? When you checked in, you would have probably received the communion elements. If you're joining us from home, you don't get one of these. That's right. Uh, That means if you're not ready yet, 
Go grab a piece of bread, grab a, a cup of juice, and make sure that you are able to participate in the communion that we will have at the end of our service today. All right, I think that's it. You guys ready? All right, I'm so excited. I'm so good to see you guys. Um, guess what? I, I woke up this morning, I combed my hair, took a shower, and I tucked in my shirt just, to, just at the thought of being so excited about seeing you guys in person. Yeah. This is exciting. All right. You guys, <laughs> all right. All the awkward laughs are back. We are indeed uh, back doing church the right way. Amen. All right. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. And again, uh, it's going to be a, a little bit of a challenge for me as I learn to uh, manage engaging the camera as well as the audience that are here um, underneath this tent. So. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be okay. All right? Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. I am reading from the NSB version. If you have a different version, you may read along on your own. You should have the verses uh, being shown on the display. And this is the reading of God's word. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Church, would you read verse 16 with me? Let's read together in one voice all together, shall we? Verse 16. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. All right, today we are going to continue on the series of Follow Jesus. For the past several weeks, we have held on to the great commission that Jesus released upon the disciples and all the followers. He said that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus commissioned us, he commanded us that we should go out, teach them the word of God, and that we should be aggressively making disciples all over the places. So, and, and we made a, a point that before we go out and make disciples, that it was imperative for us to follow Jesus into all different places where he spent ample time ministering, conveying the heart of God. So today, we are talking about Jesus. So today, we are going to a place, to all the places where Jesus prayed. At the end of today, you and I as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, I hope that we would be more motivated to pray in that we may become more and more like Christ. Amen? So let's pray before we really dig into the Word of God today. God, we thank you so much, God. We are so grateful that you have allowed us this opportunity to gather in person. God, while the risk and the danger are still out there, 
God, I pray that you would continue to uh, um, uh, speak to us, God, encourage us so that we may not neglect worshiping you, we may not neglect surrendering our hearts unto you. God, I pray for all of my rooftop family, whether they're here at church, whether they're at home, God, may the same favor and love be imparted to every single one of them, Lord. Give us years to hear and hearts to receive all that you are going to impart to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's right. I think most of the people that I've encountered along the course of my life, I think they pray. Not that we all pray to the same God, or not that everyone prays to the God that I pray to, but then the notion of prayer, this notion of pleading or asking or seeking is a lot more common than you would think. And sometimes it's not necessarily to God. Not everyone prays to God. Sometimes uh, for some prayer is meditative, contemplative, Uh, For some people, prayer is simply wishing and hoping. In that, I think most people pray, or most people at least once or twice they have prayed in their lives. I certainly hope that you, being followers of Christ, that you are praying. Uh, If not that, if you're not praying, that you have at least prayed once or twice. Prayer, what do we know about prayer? What does God want us to know about prayer? What is it that we really need to understand about what prayer is? I think we have the general notion that prayer is important. And even for those that are not as faithful in praying, we generally accept the notion that we should be faithful in prayer. So today we are going to talk about that. If we establish the why of why we should pray, meaning we understand that it is not only helpful, but many times it is necessary for us to pray. If we understand that, we also want to know that how can we pray? How can we pray more often? And how can we pray more effectively? You know, in in, in the key moments of Jesus' life and ministry, he often resorted to prayer. Jesus not only prayed just to be intimate and commune with God, he also prayed in moments where he felt he was desperate. He often prayed to God in moments where he needed the power and the intervention of God. So I really believe that if we look into where and when Jesus prayed, I really believe that we will understand why Jesus prayed in turn, why it is important for you and I as followers of Jesus that we should be more committed to prayer. All right? Uh, Main verse today, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. See, Jesus prayed often. And he also tells us that Jesus would often withdraw himself from the context of whatever he was doing, that he would resort to prayer. So right now, I'm not going to ask you to turn uh, to different parts of the Bibles, but I'm going to just kind of point out to you throughout the Gospels in all the instances where Jesus is found in the act of prayer. Here we go. Mark chapter 6, verse 46. And it says, and after saying goodbye to them, he left for the mountain to pray. This is right after the instance where Jesus fed the 5,000 with what? Remember? That's some fish sticks and 
spread, right? More than 5,000 people. Uh, it, it, the scholars say if you count the women, the elderly, and the children, the number should skyrocket all the way up to about 20,000 people. A massive, massive church gathering, massive revival, uh, amazing, amazing miracle. Soon after that, Jesus is found resorting to a further away into the mountain. He's what? It is said that he went away so that he could pray. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and prayed uh, pray there for a time. Peter, Simon the Peter, his mother-in-law was found very sick. Jesus comes over to his house, personally prays for Peter's mother-in-law, and she gets instantly healed. And the word goes out immediately. The neighborhood people came up to Peter's house, and Jesus ministers to every single one of them. Another, another uh, occurrence where signs and wonders were performed. And soon after, Jesus is found what? The very next morning, he goes away, early morning to a secluded place and pray there for a time. I think some of our parents who uh, spent their faith lives in Korean churches, I think they took this verse quite literally that uh, it was important for them to pray early morning, like 4.30, like cracking the dawn of day, right? So Jesus again is found praying alone in a secluded place. Matthew chapter 26, verse 42 he went away again a second, uh, actually uh, 36, I think, Matthew, uh, 26, 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and told his disciples, sit here while I go away and pray. This is just moments before Jesus' arrest, and this is just moments away where he's taken away and he's preparing himself for the incumbent death, death on the cross. So while facing a great hardship, Jesus goes away with his inner circle of three disciples, and he tells the disciples, he say, you know what, I'm going to go over there and pray, and while I go away and pray, I want you guys to stay alert, and I want you guys to be found praying just like me as well. He goes away, prays, comes back, finds the three best friends, three disciples falling asleep while in prayer. He tells them, hey, you should really wake up. You should, keep, you should keep praying. And he goes away the second time, and he prays, saying, my father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink from it, your will be done. Here, Jesus, through prayer, he resigns himself of his own will, preferring the will of God to be done in and through his life. We see Jesus again, a key moment of his life. He resorts to the act of prayer. I'm almost through. John 17, verse 9. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but on the behalf of those whom you have given me because they are yours. This section of the Gospel of John is particularly called the high priestly prayer where Jesus goes on a longer prayer, a lengthy prayer, he's now interceding for all of the people in the world. We see Jesus, and we really see, if you read through the intercessory prayer here, you really see the heart that Jesus had for the lost, the heart that he had for the world, which eventually he would die on behalf of the sin of the world. Again, Jesus is praying to the Father. 
And last example that I want to share, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Now when Jesus heard about John, which John are we talking about here? We're talking about the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist. Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a board, in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And the people heard about this. They followed him on foot from the cities. So when he heard that his cousin John the Baptist was arrested and uh, um, uh, just brutally beheaded, right, by an evil king, Jesus was so brokenhearted. He, I mean, this is his cousin. He was extremely close to John. He was so heartbroken. He retrieved to a mountainside again to be by himself. There he's found praying. That moment of seclusion or privacy is, is not uh, lasted long here, right? As soon people find Jesus and swarm him. Here we see Jesus praying, seeking the consolation and the comfort of God. So it's quite remarkable that we find Jesus praying so often, especially in such critical moments of his life. You see, we can see that Jesus often prayed after his ministry is done. He also prayed while facing a great task or challenge in his ministry. He also prayed when he was in need of consolation. So I'm going to go over three quick points here. When Jesus prayed, so we understand that, you know what, we want to follow Jesus' example and pray in the similar situations. If it was important for Jesus to pray in such moments, it certainly has to be important for us to also pray in such instances in life. First, Jesus prayed while facing adversity. Say with me. Jesus prayed while facing adversity. You see, Jesus understood that his power was directly connected to God the Father. He knew that God had all the resources he needed to complete his ministry here on earth. So naturally, Jesus often turned to the Father. Whenever he thought, whenever he discerned that there was a great task, Obviously, Jesus was, uh, he was an expert in filling out need, right? He was by nature, as we learned last week, he was a very compassionate person, meaning he stood for the brokenhearted. He stood for the marginalized. So wherever he went, he was constantly faced with the challenges of meeting the various needs of people. In those moments, Jesus is found over and over again praying to the Father. Why? What is he doing here? He's tapping into the power and the ability that our Heavenly Father has. It's important to understand we pray because we believe in the power and the authority of our Lord. Amen. Let me hear that muffled amen from all of you guys. If you're listening to this sermon at home, we better be hearing loud and clear from you. Amen. You see, Jesus prayed while facing great adversity. He recognized that the power he needed in doing his ministry, often helping the needy, he understood that God was accessible through the very act of prayer. And Jesus prayed vigorously while facing adversity. And I want to encourage you, church, today, if you are facing adversity today, you should be turning to God in prayer as well. 
And can I encourage you? Can I, can I uh, um, share this uh, secret with you? It's okay that you plead with God. It's okay that you are quite aggressive in ag- uh, expressing your need. And my, my I'd add that it's okay to at times to demand of God to move in your life. That's what the scriptures tell us because that's what Jesus did. Jesus commanded the hand of God to be upon those that were broken, those that were in need, and Jesus prayed in faith. Second reason, Jesus prayed to be intimate with the Father. Say that with me. Jesus prayed to be intimate with the Father. You see, Jesus not only prayed for ministry, he prayed to commune with Um, his heavenly father. Jesus was always working on being intimate with the father. You see, prayer is first and foremost uh, a a time that we fellowship and commune with God. Uh, As as prayer, as it is also uh, very active, we're asking God to move on our behalf. Prayer is also a very valuable instrument where we can relate with God, where we can commune and be one with God. Jesus often spoke of being one with the Father. If you read through the Gospel of John, he, say, he constantly says what? I only do what the Father is doing. I'm here to convey the heart and the will of the Father. I'm here to please. I'm here to obey the Father, right? And Jesus, I believe that through prayer, that was made possible. You see, Jesus before, while he was also accessing the ability and the power of God, he was committed to what? Being intimately one with the Father. I love what Oswald Chambers says in his book. He says, prayer does not equip you for greater works. Prayer itself is the greater work. Let me say that again. Prayer does not equip you for greater works. Prayer itself is the greater work. Amen? Amen. I have one faithful audience today. I better, Clive, you are helping me preach this sermon today. All right. Third, why or where did Jesus pray? Third, Jesus prayed for comfort and consolation. Say it with me. Jesus prayed for comfort and consolation. Jesus absolutely received strength and comfort from the Father. He experienced plenty of brokenness, heartache. Again, as I conveyed to you earlier, he encountered many hardships as he encountered different people. And often he resorted in prayer. Just like when we read, when he found out about the death of his own cousin, he resorted to prayer. When he encountered needs, he resorted to prayer. So in that, through prayer, Jesus is found receiving comfort, receiving strength and peace from a heavenly father. Now, if we see Jesus Christ, our Lord and rabbi, he prayed regularly. He prayed passionately. He prayed not to look more pious. He prayed not because that was something that he should do. He prayed because he absolutely believed in the actual power and the effect of prayer. He knew that he could talk to his father in heaven. He knew that he could petition to him. He knew that he needed God's strength. But also through prayer, Jesus understood that he needed to yield all of himself 
to his heavenly Father. Friends, do you face adversity? Are you facing hardships today? Is there a great need or task that God needs to intervene to complete in your life? Or do you need a reminder today that no matter what's happening in your life, that you're, you're, you sovereignly belong to the Lord and that he cares for you? You simply, be remind, you simply need to be reminded that you are one with the Father. Lastly, do you need to be consoled by God? Is there trouble in your life? Is there an unavoidable, unovercomable obstacle in your life? Friends, I implore you, I encourage you, I charge every single one of you to pray as we find our Lord Jesus so faithful, so diligent in prayer. I don't know which one of these three categories that you belong to today, but I'm sure that God is stirring, on your, stirring your heart so that you may be found in more prayer. I don't think I said this. This should have been a repeat by now in this point of sermon. I, I don't think I said this, right? The greatest theology of prayer is that Jesus prayed, all right? Think about this. The greatest theology of prayer, the greatest truth about prayer is that Jesus prayed. So there is no argument. There, there, it, let's not make it more complicating than what it actually is. We don't need to read books about, you know, we simply understand if it was important for Jesus to pray all throughout his life, guess what, folks? We as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be praying. We should be excited to pray because it was important for Jesus to be committed to. Absolutely. Now, we're now moving on to the last third of the sermon. You guys are very happy now because it's getting a little warm out here, right? Okay, not for those that are sitting at home, right? Let's understand. We understand when Jesus prayed, we understand now why Jesus prayed. We now understand why we should pray. Some of you guys are thinking, I love prayer. I get it. I want to pray. But Scott, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what the right way is for me for me to pray. So guess what? I know you guys are dying with such questions. So I'm going to just share quick tips about how we can pray. Are you guys excited? All by myself. All right, Matthew chapter 7. Whether you want it or not, I'm going to give it to you. Matthew chapter 7 teaches us how we should pray. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I think here, I don't do this often, but I think it's worth looking at the original translation in the Greek here, Okay. Right now, when we read it in the English, right, we read, ask and it will be given to you, right? Seek and knock. 
But in the original translation, it should be rendered as, keep on asking. It's in the present continuous imperative. It's not in the aorist, it's not an aorist imperative, it's a present imperative, meaning keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. It conveys the way we should pray, and we should pray continuously with persistence and with great continuity here. He, Jesus is telling us that we should never be discouraged in prayer. He's teaching us to pray with faith and to pray with persistency. Do you know how most people pray nowadays? This is just my observation. Do you know how, how most people pray? And we have misconstrued ourselves in what prayer is. This is how most people pray. Most Christians pray. We wor- Are you ready for this? We worry in the general direction of God, and we call that prayer. We come, meaning, we come to God. We are definitely concerned. We are definitely troubled. We are definitely distressed. And we come towards God, and we want God to see our broken state or our troubled state, and we just kind of generally, and we worry. Say, so God... My, my job is really not working out. God, it just, my life is just really not that great. God, I, God I, I'm kind of lonely. So we, we, we convey these notions of worry and trouble. Sometimes we do this, God, we don't even have the words to say, right? We say, God, feeling sorry for ourselves. We think that's prayer. A lot of Christians have mistaken that that in itself is actually prayer. How about this? We wish that we call that prayer. There's an idea or notion that we want to see happen, and we think hard enough about it, and we think that, oh, we actually mistaken that for actual prayer to God. I want to tell you what, the prayer, the way that Jesus teaches his disciples and followers to pray is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and on. He says, ask, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That's a lot more active than passive. That's a lot more doing, moving, saying, talking rather than thinking and wanting to pray about things. You're with me so far. Prayer is an active, active pursuit. Jesus says, pray this way. You know what bothers me? Is that these days, the language of positive energy has invaded the church. Positive vibes, good vibes have infiltrated the church. And we have exchanged the power of prayer, exchange of positive thoughts. Again, I, I, I hope, I'm not condemning you, but I hope you understand where I'm coming from. At least for the people of God, we ought to be doing far more than just sending positive vibes. We ought to be doing far more than just po- sending positive energy. I don't know about you, but when I'm in trouble, guess what? Keep your positive vibes to yourself. Save yourself to I don't need no vibes from me, okay? You could have negative vibes towards me, positive vibes. When I'm in trouble and when I'm in need, I don't need vibes. I need prayer. Come on, somebody. When I'm sick, keep your positive thoughts to yourselves. 
What I need instead from you is what? Prayer, fervent prayer, because prayer has a power to change things. Prayer has the ability to get to the heart of God and, and then in turn move and command the hand of God. Jesus says, pray this way. Pray consistently. Pray fervently. Pray in faith, believing and uh, expecting that God will do something on your behalf. And then there's a second portion in this passage that's important for us. So we pray, express. We're not shy about things. We are asking God. We're unloading our troubles. We're asking God to do something on our behalf. We are asking God to move, right? On the flip side of that, Jesus conveys a very powerful truth in this passage. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to get give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Notice Jesus is not compounding unto the fact that ask, seek, and knock, but he kind of flips the script. He talks about the good nature of God the Father. He talks about, he doesn't respond, ask, seeking, knocking. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you whatever. He doesn't say that. He says, now, but know that your heavenly Father is good. And he will give good gifts to you. Now, I think we have to understand when we read Matthew 7, we must not make the mistake of translating this as whatever we ask God, he will give to us. He does not say that. He does not say whatever we seek from him, he will answer. He does not say that. He does not, there is no whatever. We conveniently put that word in there. Am I the only one that have prayed for ridiculous things in life? This is, by the way, post-conversion. No, you cannot just dismiss me because I was young and immature. I was 17. I was a grown man. I pray for silly things. In my mind back then, I was like, God, that's just good interpretation of the Bible. You said, ask, seek, and knock, and do it in faith. So in faith, I pray for a Porsche. I was very mindful of God. I'm not really, I knew about Lamborghinis, I knew about Ferraris, but I'm reasonable, I'm not immature like you guys. I pray for just a modest Porsche. I only also pray for what, so that I, I may be able to dunk. I also pray, God, you don't have to enlarge me, you don't have to make me taller, just give me the supernatural hops, because that's more believable. If I woke up six inches taller, people would have fits, right? Say, God, I don't want no trouble. Say, God, incredible hops, just 45 inch vertical. Am I the only one praying for ridiculous things? Some of you guys are being too shy. I pray most, more recently is this. I'm a man of God. The Bible says, man of God prays in faith. It will bring, bring up God. I haven't had hair on my head. It's been a long time, God. So in faith, God, I pray. I've done this actually. Why is God not answering my prayer? The last, you know what I really miss about having hair? Is that when I take a shower, when I go swimming, I really miss the feeling of, like when you come out of the water, that, you know that, that split second? It's been 20 years, guys. Sometimes I pray because 
I'm reminded that there isn't anything that God can't do. And that's absolutely correct. But we have to understand prayer, how prayer works in the perspective of God. God's perspective, His first responsibility is not giving us whatever we ask. His first and pr- first greatest priority is that for Him to be a good, good, good Father, in that He discerns what I am in need of, and He discerns what I should have, what I can't have at this moment. Prayer allows us to concede to the will of our good, good Father. Amen? Are you with me so far? So I'm not asking you to be shy in the way you request. Be ridiculous, okay? There, I, I'm being serious. I'm going to continue to pray. Whenever I'm sick, I pray for uh, supernatural healing. I haven't experienced it in the 20-some years of being Christian, but I'm going to continue to pray in faith because I believe in the power of prayer. The rest is I'm going to consign unto God, and He will determine what I am in need of, what I'm capable of having, and He will allow me to live with that. A good prayer. So, so in that, good prayer is a prayer that rests in the goodness of the Father. A good prayer is a prayer that seeks God's will to be done above my own. That's why I believe Luke chapter 22, it should be called the Lord's Prayer. It says, God, what Jesus prays, God, I really want this cup to be passed from me. He says, you know what he's saying? Translation. Jesus was saying, God, I really don't want to die. Let, let me tell you, he, by the way, he's not talking about physical death. You know what he was afraid of? You know what he was do- doing his best to avoid? He was talking about eternal separation because he understood the moment he took upon the sin of the world, that moment he would be despised by God as the, prophets, uh, as the prophecies accurately conveyed. And he dreaded the thoughts like, God, Abba, Abba, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So intensely he was praying that his sweat dripped down on his face like blood. What's at the end of the prayer? God, but not my will, but let your will be done. You see, that's what prayer is. That's how you should pray. Absolutely. Ask, seek, and knock. Guess what that spells? Ask. Anytime you need to ask God, that's how you should ask, with persistence, with consistency, and full of faith. We're also understanding that there's a will of God to be done in and through your life. Today we learned about prayer. We followed Jesus into all the places. In, we, we checked out all the occurrences where he prayed. And I hope by now that we learned why Jesus prayed. And through Matthew 7, we learned how to pray. Asking, seeking, and knocking. So friends, will you commit yourself to pray this week? I don't know what you're all going through, I don't know what petitions that you have to make before the Lord. I don't know what it is that you have that's troubling you, that is concerning you, but I'm sure you do. I encourage you, 
rather than passively observing from the sidelines, I encourage you to be active in seeking God with all that you have. Amen? Would you close your... Amen. Amen. I know. Would you bow your heads with me, church?